Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. How's it going, hockey fans? And, uh, you know, we're just a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at a head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but just simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We mostly cover the NHL, but we'll also discuss the NWHL and many happenings around the hockey world. So be sure to subscribe to this channel and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Doc's retirement. Yeah, kind of. That really stinks. He was, um, you know, as far as hockey announcers, I, I liked Bob Cole. Um, except, you know, there's the, the occasional bias against uh, teams like the Habs, uh, seeing as he was calling from Leafland. But still like Bob Cole. Doc called the game even, right? He knew his stuff. And yep. um, always, you know, well-spoken, right, during the, the broadcast. Knew the players, you know had insight and wasn't annoying with facts like uh, Pierre Maguire. So it's, it's, it's tough when you lose somebody that can announce a game so well. So um, yeah. the only thing I'm kind of scared of is who is his replacement going to be because of it's going to be Pierre Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I, I get to hear every single stinking college. Yeah. It'll just be it'll just be uh, Penguins coverage of Crosby. That's all it'll be. You know. <laughs> Remember his you know, man crushes shift around. McKinnon gets a cup. Watch out. That's true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird watching hockey without him calling the plays and just being that voice. Man, he's like the voice of hockey. So it's just kind of it's gonna be just a new era. We'll see who we get. I mean, there's a lot of good broadcasters out there, but they're not Doc. Mm-hmm. No, like so. I said, he's one of a kind. He's a tough one to replace. So um i just i'm just wondering if there's any more background behind it because of covid he was done he didn't just didn't want to do this anymore right with the uncertainty of everything going on or was it was it in his plans anyway right so i didn't read too many articles on it so far you know uh busy work week so i know poor excuse for somebody jumping into a podcast but i didn't get all the details why but well we're allowed to have jobs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how i pay for this podcast <laughs> and all my and all my uh, merch coming in but i'm not i'm not selling merch yet that's we're a long way off from selling merch i'm just gonna wear my own stuff because i like it but uh no i mean yeah it's, it's definitely a loss to the hockey world here and so i i personally just think covid is forced hands in in certain situations of what people want to do i don't think maybe necessarily if they go into like a divisional sort of hockey thing next year to where he maybe wants to be trapped in a bubble calling games. I think people are going to have to, I don't know. We don't know what the, with, with the COVID world we're living in, what, what that means for professional sports on top of many things. It's, it's, it's definitely affecting a lot of things and maybe definitely swaying decisions. You know, if you're at that point now where it's like, is it worth hanging around out here and older? Is it worth him doing that anymore? You know, he's had a long, excellent career. No, no, nothing saying he can't just do it from home, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's that's what's interesting is why not? Because I know they yeah. feed off of each other just like we do in a podcast here, right? Yeah. But you know, it's you know, you bring up the point about the bubble. We know how much it weighed on, you know, the guys, you know, the players themselves, right? Their family members. Yep. We didn't think about the camera crews that were stuck there, right? Mm-hmm. You know the, um, you know all the team trainers and things along those lines, and as well as announcers. So yeah. I know the announcers, like you know, for the for the the teams that were away, right, for the local broadcast, they just did it from home here, right, and they didn't have to be in the bubble. But yeah. you know, for the guys stuck there that were in that bubble, yeah, that's got to be that had to be something else, right? Yeah, you know, it just it's and that's what you don't think about. I mean, 
all the people that were in those games were in the bubble. That was their lives. And so that was a lot for people that had never had to experience that before being away and being trapped in this little group. For the most part, the hockey players, you know, stuck together. And this will speak to the thing about the announcers, right? So, you know, they, a lot of guys said there was a lot of camaraderie built because you're hanging with the boys, you know, yep. it just seemed like a giant away tournament, right? But the boys. Now, I understand, like, there's going to be camaraderie between announcers, but there's not a whole team of guys, right? You, if you're getting bored of a conversation, it's not like there's too many other people you can go talk to, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you don't have a team of twenty-four guys and your announcers, right? You got three, four people, and you can only yeah. put up with so much McGuire. So yeah, was the, was it Hudobin who uh, I think after the playoffs ended, where he was talking about, you know, you started getting to like a lot of different guys from the teams, and then they started the, the bubble kept shrinking and shrinking, and then it was just his teammates and and the new guys because you know obviously Tampa had been playing over uh, in Toronto yeah. that whole time, and uh, you know he's like, yeah, just. I guess he was saying it's just, yeah, it kind of got lonely there because you had all these people moving around all the time and that just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to this, you know, to the core group. I thought his post Stanley Cup uh, series interview was just totally Hudobin. He's got kind of brizzy tendencies, which makes me love him even more. And he got back to Dallas and he just, I guess he told his wife, it's just, what do you want to do? He's like, I just want to sit outside and have a beer. You know, I just, I just, I just want to sit outside on a patio somewhere and have a beer, and I'm just like, yeah, I can imagine being cooped up in that bubble for three months just had to make you, you know, a little bit stir crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but you know, I mean, speaking of that, uh, before I mean, we could, we're definitely gonna, I think, be tapping into the playoffs a little bit here, uh, even though it's uh, October 21st. But you know, free agent not so frenzy uh, the last few days, uh, no trades. Um, yeah. Not a lot of massive signings, man. I mean, I'm looking through the names and I'm like, yeah, I know Cody CC. You know, nothing, no huge names dropped. You know, a lot of depth, a lot of teams signing depth right now, which is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, really what wins you cups. Yeah. So and it's interesting. There's still like all, there's still some really big names sitting out there, you know, right? So, yeah. you know, and this is what's going to be interesting is who, you know, how much? How long are these guys holding out? You know, where are they? Because right now, you take a look at Mike Hoffman. You know, so guy can put the puck in the net. He's he's just out there still. He's not doing anything. Kovalchuk, I don't think if, unless he's willing to sign another league minimum, he's not going anywhere this year. So, uh, Votnin's still available, right? Um, Grandlin's still available. So Hamannik. Still out there, right? Like yeah, that, that's a, that's a big one. You want to land a good defenseman, Eric Halla, Broussard, because people always need centers, right? So, you know, that's that's amazing. Uh, one of my you know bias favorites, of course. Uh, I do like Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, you know, unfortunately for that guy, when he was here with Arizona, it took him a while to fit in. But the last three months of the season, when he was here, he was arguably their best player. Because he was up and down that ice and always making stuff happening and scoring goals. Uh, rough start in Pittsburgh with getting bitten by a spider and getting sick and being out, and this never found his groove, right? So, yeah. from what I understood, is uh, he was well liked on the wild, um, but doesn't have a contract, you know? And again, he may be a guy that finds himself signing a $2 million deal just to play hockey, right? Yeah. 
It, it's honestly this new it's it's a new world for sports it's a new world for hockey the cap ain't moving anytime soon you know the owners they, they get into hockey or sports ownership because you know obviously they definitely love the game or the team they're buying but there's also the business side of it clearly right now if you're not putting fans in the seats you're not making a lot of money you know there's definitely other ways they make revenue but you think about a full arena and the just hundreds of millions of dollars that generates yep. throughout the season they get paid and so it's it's definitely figure out the the new way forward with what their contracts are going to look like they're you're not going to see these big staggering contracts you know routinely uh, until all this really clears up and then the field levels out and they can actually do stuff like i said i love being able to you know talk on this podcast on areas where we agree and disagree and uh, i'm i'm pretty confident you probably disagree with me on my upcoming statement here but there's a lot of people that hate Gary Bettman. I'm not one of them. I actually kind of like what he's done with the National Hockey League. Honestly, I love hockey. I love the business of hockey. That's why my degrees in sports management. I love really diving into the business uh, aspect of the sports world, particularly hockey. And the moves he made were really, really, really good for the league. Uh you know, long term, definitely there's been mistakes and there's definitely people that hate him for different reasons. I've just not been one of them. I definitely when it comes to lockout time, I get a little bit that that feeling in my chest. I'm like, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. I've sat through a couple of these and they suck. At the end of the day, he he's pushed this league to places it has never reached before. And a lot of that was based off, of, you know, those testing out some of those markets that weren't going to be previously successful and the bulk of those markets became successful i mean look at california hockey now man well like the players that come out of cali is are crazy well i was i was you know i'm part of usa hockey and you know i did one of their higher up trading levels right and Mm -hmm. the interesting thing now is that this was holy cow like uh, my daughter's eight so this we're talking six years ago and it's still probably growing exponentially but California was the hottest market for growing for growth in hockey. Yeah, and they did a great job. Like the Ducks hated the name of the team when that team came to the league, and I will never forgive them for that part. But the Ducks did it right, where they bought up all the local arenas in the area, branded them Ducks Hockey, and supported all the teams. Right, they, yep. everything was Ducks, so it became ingrained, and people got you know the fans around that area got into it, and that's the way yeah. to do it. They're slowly doing. They're slowly doing that in Arizona. It's it's building up here, right? Um, but that's the way to do it. And LA was built up. It all it took was throwing Wayne Gretzky in that direction, and yeah, and then them winning a couple of cups. Right, you can't knock that on them, right? Um, yeah. So they're in the right direction. So California hockey's booming. And to be honest with you, I went to a game in San Jose. Huh, awesome setup. If you stay at a hotel that's close to the arena, beautiful, you know, area in San Jose. You can walk to the game again, grab a drink and a bite to eat on the way there, go to the game. Awesome setup. I know, think it's so. a great organization. And it, my biggest heartbreaking moment in my professional career was turning down the Sharks organization on a job. Uh, dude, I would have just, I was head over heels that I was that far into the process and that, you know, I was getting an offer. And the problem is, man, you can't, you can't live in San Jose for what they were paying me. It was way more than the Islanders offered me later, which is stunning because that's a super expensive market as well. And at that point, the team was in pretty much turmoil with where they were going to end up because <laughs> they're like, well, the officers are in Manhattan right now, but we're moving out to like, I don't know, some Rose Park or something. And I'm like, 
I can't do this, man. You know, and then the offer was half of what the Sharks offered me. I'm like, are you crazy? At least the Sharks came in. I look back now, I'm like, at least the Sharks came in at a reasonable rate. If I had been already established in San Jose and I had a spouse that was working, I would have taken the offer. But I had to relocate myself out to San Jose. We'd never lived there. It's a super expensive market. And I just thought this is not going to be well for this isn't good for this. This job won't be good for my marriage. This job won't be good for my life. So I, I can't take it at the pay they're offering. So I had a horrifyingly at that moment turned down the San Jose Sharks. And so, but that's, you know what it is if you're going to be in the sports world, but yeah, I'm telling you, man, I agree with you. I did a lot of research because you have to know what you're talking about. And in interviews, man, do they do it right in San Jose? Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. And that's the thing now going back to the Islanders, because you were, you were interviewing right around the Johnny Tavares time, weren't you? Oh, no, with the Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. I was interviewing them right after. Tavares. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I you brought it up in my interview because actually it's because one of my interviewers, she was very, I, that, that, that hurt the organization. A lot of people throughout the organization did not like that move. Yeah, and, so, and, that, and that's my feeling on it too is, you know, as much as people, you know, in the hockey world or, you know, even fans will – try to defend his actions, you know, a, uh, a number, a first line center can fetch you quite, quite a package, right. In return. Yeah. Especially so, when you making an up run. Yeah. And he's the captain of the team too, just as the extra slap in the face. So yeah, I, I hated the move, you know, still don't like what he did to a team and a team that's, you know, the truthfully now that he's gone has been performing better. Yeah, and not saying that he wouldn't have brought anything to the table because he's a hell of a hockey player, but slapped him in the face, and you know this is one of those things where you just hope the Islanders keep outperforming him. But it, you know, with one of those draft picks and the players they would have gotten, the Islanders would have been a better team, right? So oh yeah, so yeah, there's there's the there's the dirtiness of trades and those type of things when, when teams do that because one of the other moves I hate is when you know that a player's not happy, just don't publicly come out and announce or. Take, yeah, just leave you know, it. Keep that internal. Why do you have to announce it? Yeah, like don't 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 all of a sudden disassociate yourself with the Twitter of your hockey team and blah blah blah. Like just leave it be. You know what I mean? Because when you do that, then all of a sudden everybody knows you're about to be traded. Because I heard. But let's talk. Uh, let's talk draft, man. You uh, had some insights on the latest NHL draft, the newest uh, the newest stacking of the New York Rangers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's <laughs> it's. I mean, touching on the draft a bit. I mean, it was a uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's everything's a blur right now, man. COVID yeah, so and, 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 all the days are the same. <laughs> all the days are the well, same. Well, but nor- normally we have our we have a routine, right? We the playoffs finish. Yeah. We get a couple of weeks. We get to watch the. You hear about the parade and all that stuff. Guys settle down. The draft happens, and then we hit free agent frenzy, right? This year, it all exploded into a two-week period, and I still don't even know what happens. I still think there's some Tampa Bay guys on a boat waiting for other things to happen, right? And um, There, there might just... be. Honestly, they can't pull <laughs> – no one can pull what like, – honestly, the, the party around Washington, D.C. was when they won the Cup. That was the party to end all other parties like it, according to the NHL. But, dude, they had a blast, and you should. I mean, it's – but the people feel way more connected to the players when they're sitting there 
and fountains drinking and stuff. I mean, I just thought what they did was a blast and they did it the Ovechkin way. And that's the best way you can celebrate a cup is the Ovechkin way. And so, but looking at these kids that come up with a draft, man, maybe some future Ovechkins in here and, and we can get into, dude, that's a whole nother conversation on, on, you know, opinions on best players in NHL history and such, but looking at the, the kids that were just picked up, man. So yeah, you know, New York's, I don't know. What's that kid's name again? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all the talk definitely focusing around him. But, you know, a, f- a few moments in the in the first day of the draft really stood out to me. I watched the second day of the draft, but they kind of just, I don't know, man, the coverage on the second day was, uh, as it usually is, just way more basic and not as much entertainment to it. Uh, yeah. They're not showing the kids as much, which is the best part of the draft. <sighs> It's it's just such a cool moment to watch. And so watching like three moments really stood out to me in, in this year's draft. Number one was number two, uh, the, the pickup of Quentin Byfield by L.A. The big moment there. I mean, the kid's big. I love this suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you didn't watch it, man, just look up Quentin Byfield's suit right now uh, during the draft. Fantastic suit. But I mean, the big story behind that, especially everything happening, you know, around the United States is the fact that he's officially now the highest picked black player in NHL history. He went at number two. So when they announced that, I was actually kind of stunned. I thought, and I was wrong. I looked it up afterwards because when they said the highest picked, I'm like, nah, Seth Jones. Mm-hmm. He went number one or number two. And then I, I was wrong. He went number four. He was projected possibly going number one or number two, but he fell to number four. So Quentin Byfield is officially the uh, you know highest picked black player in NHL history. So that was a really cool moment to watch with his family and everything. And then one moment that really stood out to me as well was Hendrix LePierre, man. If you watch that kid, he was, I forgot where he was projected, like maybe 18th or something. And he kept falling and he was like a 25th or something. And the Washington Capitals picked him up and I am stoked to have this. I was watching him like, man, he's not going to stick around for the caps. Like he's somebody's going to pick him up and no one was picking him up. No one was picking him up. And not only did the caps pick him up, the caps traded ahead to get him. So w- when you're a kid like that and you, you're supposed to be going at like 18 or whatever, you're supposed to be going at and he was picked up and he started to slide. He started to slide, you know, you're, you know, you're, it, it hits you, you know, you know where you're projected. Your family knows where you're projected and you keep sliding and you keep sliding. Okay. Nobody wants me. And now, if he'd just been picked up uh, at the, 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 you know, the portion where he was picked up, um, you know, it would have been like, okay, this team picked me up because I was available. But I think not. I think the the look on his face was not only relief, but also knowing that the Washington Capitals had actually made a trade. I think with Calgary, if I'm incorrect, somebody can definitely correct me. I think they traded up with Calgary, gave Calgary two of their picks so that they could get him, and that I think. If if you're the player in that moment, you're like, you know what? They drafted up to pick me. I may have slid, but they also saw the opportunity to get me, and they didn't want to lose me, so they've drafted. And that's got to be an awesome feeling. So just seeing that with his family reacting with him there, the look on his face. If, again, if you didn't watch that video, watch Lapierre get drafted by the Washington Capitals. you got to watch the scene leading up to it. It's, it's uh, pretty awesome. I love watching it. And that was the third part was actually not so much the player, but the player and his family's response were pretty awesome. But uh, more was the, the last pick of the first round was uh, Ozzy Weisblatt, uh, a right winger out of Prince Albert of the WHL. Uh, but the super cool part, because uh, what was he, drafted by San Jose, right? 
It was the 31st pick San Jose. Let's take a look. Because it was the, uh, the, I think it was assistant general manager that selected him and he signed it. He did the sign for it and then selected a player. Turns out his, I think his mother and father are deaf. Oh, nice. Uh, so, you know, the fact that they, they dove in, I guess they interviewed him. They really liked him. So that was, I thought that was a cool and special moment that they, you know, they actually were speaking to the family yeah, yeah. while picking pick, him. Pick, yeah, pick number 31, San Jose Shark. Yeah, so I thought that was a super cool moment for Ozzy Weisblatt's family that, you know, they got to read it on TV as it happened instead of just waiting for their son's response. So I thought that was a super, super awesome move by the San Jose Sharks organization. Uh, I thought that was an awesome way to, to draft that kid into the league and, and recognize his family in the in that moment because these kids getting drafted, their families are – the ones that got them to where you know got them to where they're at. That's I thought that was an awesome moment um, for that. Any more thoughts on the draft by chance? I mean, there was a lot of cool moments in it, but those were the three moments for me that personally stood out. I know you weren't able to really watch because of work. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing is this year. You know, the disappointing thing for me, you know, with all this and um, was we had huge plans. The draft was in Montreal. My wife and I were married in Montreal. She was in her leaf jersey. I was in my halves. Um, I've seen the pictures. Best way, best way <laughs> to get married, anybody. Um, so we were so looking forward to getting back home, spending a lot of time. I was going to go to the draft. I was going to meet all these people I've been talking to online now from my Habs group. Uh, this is a shout out to my Habernax, home of the Habs, and also Hockey the Beast. Great, great couple, of great groups. But I was looking forward to getting there to meet. And these are on Facebook, by the way. I was so looking forward to going to meet all these people, getting back with my family, going to another draft live, but in Montreal, you know, when the mech is a hockey out there. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, instead, you know, uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm a hobbit in my house. I never leave it. And I didn't even get to watch it. I didn't even get to watch it because it, I was busy with work. So yeah, a little bit of a disappointing year that way. Right. But yeah, um, can't complain. I still got to watch playoff hockey, which was unexpected. So there's a huge bonus because tell me we didn't need that. In the Dude, can this, you, right? Do you know the moment that was the most disappointing for me? I'd say the number one pick overall. Uh, we know it was going to be him, but I, I think the most disappointing moment for that was, you, as you said, right there, everything was supposed to happen in Montreal. He's a Quebec kid. He's mm-hmm. playing with Ramuski, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and the oceanic and so man the moment like i think they had planned to like send like ten thousand fans there from the oceanic and and get it when the moment he got drafted was just supposed to be this everyone knew he's going number one for years it was just supposed to be this epic moment and there he is you know in a red air redded out area of uh quebec where it could only be the people who live in the home there and <laughs> it's him his sister and his parents and it's like that's a big moment that would have been awesome to watch with the with Bell Center just blowing up. And then, uh, yeah, start diving into other leagues as we promised we would. And, uh, you know, for me, I know some of the leagues I want to talk about right now is 
National Women's Hockey League, you know, because I think that's the other big league I, I'd like to routinely cover on this podcast and kind of the, you know, the more recent signings going on there. And I think they're on Twitch now, which is cool to watch. Um, I don't know if their games are going to be broadcast on Twitch. I know last year they were broadcast on, I think last year they were broadcast on Twitter. I know I was watching them on Twitter in uh, late 2018, early 2019. Uh, but also I could get to the games there because that was a few months I was living in Buffalo again. Another interesting you know. one is all the players that are on loan right now in the European leagues, right? Oh, yeah. So a lot of them. T- the COVID loans. The, oh, yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. The, uh, the World Junior is happening in Finland and seeing what it would be like there. I think, you know, me and you get a chance to do that. That would be an absolute blast just to be part of that atmosphere. And, I mean, I became a big, you know, Coventry Blaze fan there. And uh, I think we had, honestly, I, if I'm not incorrect, we had Ryan O'Mara on the Blaze when I was there. You know, still playing hockey was, man, did he look good in Coventry. Yeah, remember but, Biz remember Biz Nasty for the Devils, right? Yeah. He's their yeah. leading scorer. And yeah. Biz always say that. You guys can knock anybody who makes the NHL, but you have to have skill to make that league. You and do. Biz Nasty was a world junior. I think he was the the seventeen team that he made, right? So, you know, it's the difference between an elite player and the you know, the guy that just makes the league. It's just that ability to snap a puck. A split second quicker, man. It really is. And as, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, we personally are looking at these contracts of the, all the guys that just got signed and all minor contracts. Oh, only $1.25 million, only 735000 I ain't making that money. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. They are talented enough to be picked up and paid millions of dollars by National Hockey League teams. If you're in the National Hockey League, man, you've made it. It doesn't matter if you're the guy making seven hundred thirty-five thousand or your guy making eleven million. Clearly, in the National Hockey League, it does. But to all of us watching here, anyone knocks any talented player playing at that level, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not good enough, and these guys are. You know, they've made it. They are signed with you know National Hockey League teams. So yeah, eight hundred seventy-four thousand dollars for Nolan Patrick. Oh, not a huge deal in the National Hockey League, but if you're Nolan Patrick, uh, you remember, me, yeah, give me eight hundred seventy-four thousand dollars for one year. Yeah, but no, but remember, Nolan Patrick, if he didn't hit, run into injury issues, was getting a lot more money, man. Yep. So yeah, so yep. but yeah, so anyway, man, good talk again. Let's 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 pick this back up on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so thank you for everyone listening. This is Pigeonhole Hockey again. Definitely give us a follow on. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, let us know what you think, you know, share stories. You know, we'd love to cover some outside NHL topics. We would just like to, you know, periodically have them handed to us. I, I follow a lot of leagues and I, I want to see what, what you think. National Hockey League, EIHL, you know, the Federal Hockey League, give us something. We're, we're, we love these games. We love highlights. We love stories. And this is what we do. We talk about hockey. So, hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Chris and Steve. And, uh, you know, see you later next week.